Welcome to Folk Liar. I'm the Chief Liar, Brian. I'm going to tell you a lie, but I'm also going to tell you two pieces of authentic folklore. If you can figure out which of the three stories is a lie, you could win a luxurious mug. All the details are real, except for the story I made up. And if you know your folklore, you should be able to spot the fake. I've rewritten all the stories in my own way, so even if you aren't a folklore expert, you can still have fun listening and take a guess anyway. I'll let you know how you can enter at the end of the show. Last episode, we had three stories about the Ash Lad from Norway. One story told you about his foolish brothers, one about his adventure with a troll, and the final one told you the story of Ash Lad and the Lying Princess. A lot of you went with the troll as the fake story. But I'm sorry to say, most of you got fooled. The real fake, as it were, was Ashlad and his foolish brothers, and among the few of you who got it right was Proselus, this week's winner of the luxurious mug. Congratulations, and enjoy your mug. This week, we're going to listen to three stories from Native American sources that have to do with giants. Many Native American people have stories and legends about giants of one sort or another. From the Paiute come stories of giants that, through their foolishness, created the desert landscapes of the American Southwest, which were formerly populated with lush forests. The Ojibwe tell tales of a giant who gave the Ojibwe the first dog, and many giants turn up in other traditions to either help or hinder the people telling the story. Unfortunately, most giants are neither as benign or helpful as these, as we shall see. Our first story begins... Long ago, there was a giant. It loved nothing better than killing humans, eating their flesh, and drinking their blood. Unless, of course, it was eating their warm, still-beating hearts. This, as you can imagine, upset a number of people. They really didn't like it much at all, and so they called everyone together to explain exactly how much they didn't like it. Which was a lot. Unless we can get rid of this giant, there won't be any people left, they said, and then immediately formed a committee to see what was to be done about this sorry state of affairs. Now, while committees are all well and good and certainly have their place, they aren't always the best way to respond to crisis. So when one man stepped forward and said, I think I know how to kill the monster, they let him get on with it while the committee was still trying to sort out the proper ink to use on their official documents. Rather than hang around and see what happened, the man went out to where the giant was last seen, laid down in the road, and pretended to be dead. This being better than attending a committee meeting. Then he waited. Well, sure enough, along came the giant, and as soon as he saw the man laying there dead, he said, Well, this is just too easy. I suppose I don't even have to catch and kill them anymore. They just fall over dead at the mere thought of me. How convenient. Reaching down, the giant touched the body. Oh, excellent. This one is even still warm and fresh. What a delicious meal he'll make. I can't wait to get at his heart. And so the giant flung the man over his shoulder while the man let his head hang down as if he were dead. Soon they reached the giant's home, and the giant dropped the man on the floor near the fireplace because apparently neatness doesn't count in a giant's house. Turning to start the fire, the giant noticed he was out of firewood and went out to collect some. 
As soon as the giant left, the man got up and grabbed the giant's huge skinning knife. Just as he did, the giant's son came in to prepare for the meal, and as the boy ducked his head to get in under the door, the man leapt up and held the knife to the son's throat. Fortunately, the children of giants are small, as giants go, and the boy was afraid of what the man might do. Quick, said the man, tell me where your father's heart is or I'll slit your throat, which is, of course, no way to talk to children of any size. The boy said, my father's heart is in his left heel, which is the proper, if somewhat strange, thing to say to someone with a knife to your throat who doesn't seem to understand basic anatomy. Just then, the giant's left foot appeared at the entrance, and the man swiftly plunged the knife into the heel. To everyone's great surprise, the giant let out a terrible scream and fell down dead. Well, mostly dead, because the giant began to speak, and what it said, helpfully, was, Though I am dead, though you have definitely killed me, I'm going to keep on eating you and all the other humans in the world forever. And then he probably laughed evilly or something. That's what you think, said the man. I'll make sure you can never, ever, ever eat anyone again. And so saying, he cut the giant's body into pieces right there in front of the giant's son and everything. It was going to take years of counseling to get over it, but eventually he did. We presume. No one has really said. The man took up the pieces and threw them into the fire and burned them to ashes. Then he took the ashes, ran outside, and threw them into the air for the wind to scatter across the earth. But as the ashes left the man's hand and caught the air, they turned into a black swarm of mosquitoes, and from the swarm of mosquitoes could be heard the giant's voice laughing and saying, Yes, I'll eat you all until the end of time. And as the mosquitoes swarmed around the man, he felt a sting, and then another, and another, and another as the mosquitoes began to suck his blood. All day long, for the rest of his life, the mosquitoes bit and stung, and the man scratched and scratched and scratched. Our next story brings in the mythological figure of Coyote from a time before the name meant what it means today— Coyote is a clever, if also sometimes foolish, trickster character who frequently turns up in many Native American traditions. When Coyote, the man, not the dog yet, was out walking one day, he met Old Woman. She greeted him and asked him where he was going. I'm just wandering around looking for something to do, said Coyote. Well, don't go that way she said, pointing down the road in the direction he was headed. Otherwise, you'll meet a giant who kills everyone he meets. No, giants don't frighten me, said Coyote, while wondering in the back of his mind what exactly a giant might be, because he'd never met one. I always kill them. If this one wants a fight, I'll give it to him and kill him too. He's much bigger than you think, old woman said to Coyote, who didn't know enough to think giants were very big at all. I don't care, said Coyote, who thought maybe giants were about as big as a bull moose, and since he'd killed bull moose before, the giant shouldn't be any problem at all. So Coyote went on his way after saying his goodbyes. As he went along, he whistled a little tune, and soon he found, laying along his path, a large fallen branch. Aha! he thought. 
a club. I'll take it with me, and if the giant gives me any trouble at all, I'll hit him over the head with it. It looks big and heavy enough to kill him. Soon, Coyote came to a cave right in the middle of the path. Still whistling happily, he went in. Once inside the cave, he met a woman who looked very skinny and very weak. She was crawling along the ground, and Coyote stopped to ask her what the matter was. I'm starving, she said, and too weak to walk. What are you doing with that stick? Oh, this? Why, uh, I'm going to kill the giant with it. Say, you don't happen to know where the giant might be hiding, do you? Asked Coyote, peering into all the dark corners. Well, as weak and as starving as she might have been, the woman still managed to muster a laugh. The giant? Why, you're in his belly already. How can I be in his belly? Asked Coyote. I haven't even met him yet. The woman sighed and lay down on the ground. You probably thought you were walking into a cave when you walked into his mouth. Lots of people do it. It's very easy to walk in, but no one ever walks out again. The giant is so big you can't take him all in with your eyes. Why, his belly is the size of an entire valley. Well, thought Coyote, I don't think this stick is going to be as much help as I thought it would. So he threw the stick away and kept walking. There didn't seem to be anything else to do. However, Coyote soon came across more people lying around half dead. Are you sick? he asked. No, no, just starving to death, but thanks for asking, they said. We're trapped inside the giant, you see. Coyote looked around. You're very foolish, said Coyote. If we were really inside a giant and this cave is really his stomach, then the walls must be made of meat and fat. Why don't you just cut some of that off and eat it? Well, we never thought of that, they said. That's because you're not as smart as I am, said Coyote, who started this whole adventure out never having heard of giants. He took his hunting knife out and started cutting chunks out of the cave walls just to see if it was all true. And sure enough, the walls were indeed made of fat and meat. And finally, Coyote was convinced he was inside a very, very large giant, much bigger than a bull moose. He gave some of the fat and meat to the starving people and even went back and gave some to the woman he had met earlier. Soon, everyone was starting to feel stronger and as much as anyone can trapped inside a giant's stomach, much happier though not completely happy, as there was still one major problem. Thank you for feeding us, said the people, but how are we going to get out of this giant? Coyote thought a moment. No problem, I'll kill the giant by stabbing it in the heart. Ah, said all the people, I see. And then they waited. After a few minutes of standing around awkwardly, Coyote finally asked, Does anyone know where the giant's heart is? It's got to be around here somewhere. Well, maybe it's that volcano way over there. You know, the one that's puffing and beating like a heart, the people said. Oh, well, maybe so. And off Coyote went and began cutting into the mountain. Then the giant spoke up. Uh, excuse me? What's going on? Is that you, Coyote? I've heard of you. Stop all this stabbing and cutting and leave me alone. Come along to my mouth and I'll let you out. Oh, I'll come along out eventually, but not just yet, said Coyote, continuing to hack away at the heart. 
As he did so, he leaned over to the others and said, I've nearly got him where I want him. As soon as he starts dying, there's going to be an earthquake. He'll open up his mouth to take his last breath, and then his mouth will close once more forever. So be ready to run out fast. Well, Coyote cut deep into the giant's heart until lava started to flow out, which was, of course, the giant's blood. The giant groaned, and the ground under the people's feet began to tremble. Quick now, shouted Coyote and pointed. In the distance, they could all see the giant's mouth open for his last breath. So they all ran to get out as fast as they could. Unfortunately, the very last one out was the wood tick who'd got in on the branch Coyote had. The giant's teeth were closing down on him when Coyote finally managed to pull him through at the very last moment. Look at me, cried the wood tick. I've gone all flat. It happened when I pulled you through, said Coyote. He'll be flat from now on. Just, you know, be glad you're alive. I suppose I'll get used to it, said the wood tick. And he did. Our final tale is about a number of firsts. First Man is a traditional cultural hero for many Native Americans and is a sort of proto-human from whom all others spring. In this story, we find out why salmon are the way they are. Once, when the world was young, First Man awoke one morning to find all the people starving. At first, he did not know why, so he went to First Woman who was always happy to tell him what to do, and asked what he could do about it. You old fool, said First Woman, the people are starving because First Salmon has gone and taken all the other salmon with him. But where has he gone, and why has he left? asked First Man. Go and look, replied First Woman, and stop getting in my way, I have chores to do. So First Man went out and came down to the river where all the people were complaining and starving. First salmon has left us and taken all his tribe with him. We have nothing to eat and we'll certainly die. What can we do? I don't know yet, said First Man, but let me look and see what I can see. So he began walking upriver, looking for First Salmon and his tribe. Eventually, First Man came to a great waterfall, probably the first waterfall, and looked up at it. It seemed to him that something heavy and silvery hung over the edge of the first waterfall, splashing in the water, but not falling down. I wonder what that is, thought First Man. It looks a bit like First Salmon, but it's hard to tell from here. I will have to climb up. And so he did. Very slowly, he climbed up the cliff face until he was near the top and looked over at what indeed turned out to be First Salmon. First Salmon, why are you not down feeding my people who are even now starving to death? Can you not see... Asked First Salmon. I am caught in a net laid across the falls by First Giant and cannot get free. I swam up here with all my family in the spring, but now that it is time to go back down, I cannot. If you don't wish to see all your family starve, First Man, help me, and I shall promise you some of my family to feed your own. Very well, I will find First Giant and get him to set you free, but remember your promise. And First Man went looking for First Giant. First giant was in his tent at the top of the falls, preparing for a feast. He knew very well that he had all the salmon at his disposal, and was sharpening his knife in preparation for more salmon than he could possibly eat. First man found him just as first giant was leaving his tent to gather all the salmon. First giant, 
called out first man. My people are starving because of you. Can you not spare even one fish for others? What about me then? Asked first giant. Would you have me starve too because I could not get enough fish to satisfy me? Besides, what would one fish do to keep all your tribe from starving? I am but one giant, while your people are many. Let me show you what one fish would do for my people. Give me one, that I may work my secret magic and make a stew that will satisfy even you, and let me borrow your knife to prepare it with, answered first man. Hungry as he was, first giant agreed and gave first man one salmon from all those he had trapped and his knife to prepare it with. First man cut the salmon open and began to work his magic. He danced and danced in many circles around the salmon, and each time his circle took him near the water, he would reach in and grab out a stone to slip into the fish. When the fish was full of stones, he put it in First Giant's cooking pot, and then used First Giant's bucket to take water from the river and pour it into the pot. Every trip First Man made with the bucket, he slipped rocks inside the bucket as well. Soon, First Man had a great cauldron of very little fish and quite a large number of rocks. All this he put over First Giant's fire and set to boiling. Now you must be sure to drink the whole thing down at once, said First Man. Otherwise it won't fill you up properly and you'll only want more. First Giant agreed that he would do so, as he was very hungry indeed by now. And when First Man looked into the pot and saw that everything was as hot as hot could be... He told First Giant to gulp it down and enjoy. Well, First Giant did. He opened his giant mouth wide and poured everything in the pot into it and swallowed it all in one go, just as he'd been told. But then the rocks settled, and First Giant's belly began to burn and burn. And no matter how hard he tried, he couldn't make it stop until he was forced to drag himself. Slowly, because of all the rocks in him, to the river for a cold drink of river water. And when he leaned down to put his face in the water, first man cut his throat and watched as first giant bled into the water until it ran red. And then he died. Then first man went and cut loose first salmon and his family, reminding him about his promise. First salmon thanked him and kept his promise. But to this day, because first giant bled into the water, salmon's flesh is always bright and pink. And there they are, three exciting stories from Native American tradition. Well, two at least. But which folktale is the lie? Is it how we got mosquitoes? Perhaps it's Coyote and the Giant. Or maybe you think that first man and the salmon is a fake. If you think you know, and even if you don't, send your guest to liar at folkliar.com. If you're correct, you'll be entered into a drawing for this episode's prize, a luxurious mug. Don't wait too long, though. You've only got five days from this episode's release date to enter. Be sure to include the episode title in the response so I know which show you are entering for. We can be found on the web at folkliar.com which is also where you can find our generosity page, which allows you to support the show. If you join as a member of Buy Me A Coffee, you'll get access to transcripts and early episode releases, as well as other perks. So don't hesitate to join today, and join the likes of Ian, Ash, and Sid. The more the merrier.
Thanks for listening. Folklier is a production of Fiddleback Productions and is researched, written, and produced by Brian Casey. Music was provided by Blue Dot Sessions. Our luxurious mug prize is awarded by random draw from among all correct entries. Entries are only accepted by email to liar at folkliar.com. Entries are due no later than five days after the episode is first published. One entry per person, please.